Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Kind of wraps up our series. We've been in a series for the last six weeks called Fervent Prayer. Uh, It's based out of James chapter 5, verse 16, where James says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Really, the idea is that ordinary people praying to an extraordinary God Uh, God moves in answer to prayer. We talked about fervent prayer. It's powerful. We talked about how it's based on a relationship. So we say, as a follower of Jesus, you build quiet time with God. You spend time reading His Word. You spend time praying. We talked about that acronym, A-C-T-S, where you, you know, adoration and worship to God, confession of our sins and shortcomings, T for thanksgiving, and then S for praying over the needs, supplication, all the needs that we have. Uh, We talked about hindrances to prayer in this series. We talked about learning to live in His presence, praying without ceasing. And last Sunday, we talked about prayer and spiritual war. This morning, we're going to wrap up with a verse in in Matthew chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 35, where where we learn about how prayer is involved with the mission of a local church and the mission of the disciples. It was Jesus who was with the disciples, and it tells us in verse 35, and Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers or the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest field. Prayer and the mission uh, that God has called us to, it really goes hand in hand. And that's why Jesus mentions this when he talks about the needs that he saw. You know, our success in fulfilling the Great Commission to preach the gospel and to go out and be the the hands and feet of Jesus in this community and the communities around this world, uh, reaching the lost, helping the poor, healing the broken. It can't happen in a church unless a church is at prayer Asking God, God, use us. God, open doors. God, move uh, through our lives. And really, we get the, 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 a, a window into the heart of God when we hear Jesus uh, saying that he looked at the, the crowds and the masses and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed. They needed attention. And his desire to use us. And it begins in prayer. You know, staying close to the Lord in prayer is so vital for us to be a part of this harvest field that is all around us. Jesus was going through the towns, as I mentioned, and he was proclaiming the gospel. He was preaching the good news to the poor. He was preaching about the kingdom of heaven. He was healing those who were diseased and those who were broken. And then he began to, you know, look upon the crowds. It says in verse 36 again, when he saw the crowds, it really is a representation of the world around us. So Jesus sees the world for what it is. People are lost. Uh, we read in, in, in 1 Corinthians that Satan has blinded the minds of those who actually do not believe, so that they can't see and they can't believe. And then notice what Jesus, uh, Matthew records for us. He records for us that when Jesus saw these crowds for exactly who they were, that they were lost, that they were helpless, he had compassion for them. And this word in the New Testament means to feel a deep sympathy for them. 
It adds another layer for me of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And here's how it, how it changes for me. A lot of times we think about things that you do because you love someone. It's because what you're supposed to do, right? It's a lot of you guys have children. You learn that you have to sacrifice very quickly, right? They send you home from the hospital. You're like, I don't know if I'm equipped for this. And you're not. At 3 a.m., you're like, dude, I am not equipped for this. Where is the nurses? Who's going to help us? You do things because it's what you ought to do as a parent a lot of times. Here we get to see that God sends his son to the world because he loves us. It's what he ought to do being God. But it's because he has a deep compassion for us, that he's a merciful God. And when he looks upon our world, when he looks upon the people that you and I might walk by and say, well, they probably deserve their situation and how they've chosen to live their life. And whatever else you and I might view another human being and see them in their condition, the Bible tells us that Jesus looks upon them with compassion. It's this deep sympathy uh, in his heart for these people. And the description he gave for these people was right on the money when you look at society, when you look at human beings. On the outside, we look at some people and go, man, they have it all together. Have you ever thought about somebody who said, man, why would they even need to come to church? They have their life together. Jesus looks past all the exterior. He looks past what you and I might see, and he sees them as the same as this crowd that was gathered, harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd, wandering about helpless in this world, like sheep that are being hunted by wolves, unable to protect themselves. There's no shepherd to feed them and to guide them and to protect them. That's what the heart and mission of Jesus is and was. He tells us in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And in response to these overwhelming needs of these people, of this lost group of people, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, the harvest is massive. The needs are plentiful. You don't have to you don't have to search very hard and long to see that there is an area in this life, in this community, where your life can actually make a big difference. But he doesn't say, so you guys, I want to use you. He says, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into this massive harvest field. Why does Jesus say pray? When I think about this passage, I think about prayer. When you begin to pray to the Lord about the subject matter that he brings up here, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. When you begin to pray like that, it does a few things in our lives. Number one, it does this. We start to gain God's heart for people. Prayer gets my life in a place that's exactly where God wants my heart to be, right? That my, my life and my mindset would, would begin to care about things that really matter in this life. We start living for bigger things. We start asking him to use our life to reach people and to have his compassion. Prayer, as we've been learning certainly is about what God can do for me in my life. You can bring your needs to God. He said that you can cast your cares upon him because he cares deeply for you. That's a great uh, encouragement to us to tell God everything that's going on in our life. God, I, I need you to open this door. God, I need you to heal this wound. God, I need you to bless this situation. You can talk to God about jobs that you want, jobs you want out of, you know, whatever it is. God wants to hear your prayers. Prayer is also about what God does in us. Lord, there's a brokenness that's there. God, there's a wound that I've been dragging along in my life since I was a kid. Lord, there's a healing that I want to see take place. 
And prayer affects what, what God does in our lives. But it's also prayers about what God does through our lives. It's about getting our eyes not just upon my internal life and God, what you want to do, but also about this external world that God's called me to be and you to be the salt and the light in. When we pray to God about these needs, when we pray to the Lord of the harvest, we really gain God's heart for those who are hurting and broken around us. A good prayer might be for you and I to pray, God, break my heart with what breaks your heart. God, burden my heart with what burdens your heart. You start to see people as Jesus sees them, that they're harassed, that they're helpless, that they're sheep without a shepherd. Every single person that you and I know that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, their greatest need in this world is to know Jesus Christ. Their greatest need is to have a relationship with him. I know that to be true personally. I know that to be true scripturally. I know that to, do, to be true when I just look at life. One of every one. Here's, I wasn't great at math, but statistics, I killed it. Ready? One out of every one person dies. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? Everyone is going to step out of this life and stand before Almighty God. And we cruise by people co-workers that we hope get a new, you know, job transfer because it's just like, oh, no, I, I can't today. This is a safe place, is it? Except for the staff. Don't raise your hands. Anybody you work with, you're just like, oh, no, I can't, Lord. 2020, you got to move them on. Does nobody work with people like that? Look at you, you all have perfect jobs. You start to walk by people and you start to see them differently. You begin to peel back the layers and, the, and, and whatever the, the, the front that they put up. You look at them tomorrow and you say, they need Jesus Christ. You begin to pray and God opens up your heart. See, the enemy likes to keep us in our nice little Christian bubbles. We drink our Christian crack or coffee. We, you know, we have our Christian conversations. We argue about doctrines, you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't really, you know, believe the way you believe across the street or down the road or whatever, you know, and, and like our way is the right way. And, and we just have these discussions, and the enemy's just like, thank you. Just stay in your little Christian bubble and have your little arguments all the way to heaven. We create our little languages. People are like going, dude, I don't know what you just said. You know, it's like Christianese, you know what I mean? It's like we have this language that we use in churches, and people go, ooh, I don't know what's happening here. This isn't the way normal people talk. Satan would love for us to stay in that little bubble. But when we begin to pray about this subject, pray to the Lord of the harvest, he moves in us and he shows us things that we didn't see. Pray this week, God, open my heart and open my eyes. There's something else that happens in prayer. Number two, we, we receive God's empowerment to be workers. In the book of Acts, we read about this church that was facing some difficulty. They were facing some uh, oppression from the outside, uh, the, you know, the government and the people of the land. In the book of Acts, it tells us in chapter 4, And now, O Lord, they prayed. O now, O Lord, hear their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And this, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. You and I don't have the ability to change a person's life. We can't jump in their life and change them and make them become a follower of Jesus. You can't scare people into the kingdom of God. 
right? There's only God can do that work. And it requires, if you're going to be used and I'm going to be used to be his hands and feet in the world that we live in, we need his empowerment. And that's what happens in prayer. Jesus, Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, stay here in this upper room. And as they prayed, he says, until you are empowered with the Holy Spirit to go and be my witnesses. You and I get a power that comes from God to love the unlovable, to actually stand in the face of fear and actually share the truth, even though you might know it might get rejected. God fills us with his power so that we don't walk in fear, that we would be filled with love, that we would have the strength to be able to pour out our lives for other people that God's calling us to reach. You know, last week we talked about prayer and spiritual warfare, and Paul asked for prayer too from this congregation in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, it says, And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan for the good news, uh, uh, that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching the message of God's ambassadors. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. He prayed that he would have the power of God's spirit to proclaim the good news, even though he was in chains, arrested for preaching the gospel. Pray for your church. Pray for one another that we would live missional lives, that we would live lives that honor God, and that that people would begin to uh, ask questions about the God that you and I serve when they see how you live out your life. They see your integrity at work. They see how you love your spouse or how you raise your kids or how you treat other coworkers. Pray that God would, would fill us as a congregation to live missional lives and be empowered to proclaim the good news as we should in the community. And pray for us on Sunday mornings that God would change lives as people would come and hear the good news, uh, those that come and join us on a weekly basis as we gather on Sunday mornings. I would encourage you to invite your friends and let them hear about Jesus. Here's the last thing that happens when we pray. We're praying to the Lord of the harvest. We gain God's heart. Lord, help me to see people as you see them. We get God's empowerment. God, help me to have your strength to do only what you can do, which is change lives. Here's the last thing. When we pray, God opens doors for us to share the gospel, but he also opens the hearts to receive the gospel. He opens doors. I promise if you say, God, this week, I want you to open a door to use my testimony, to use my life, get ready. God's going to put someone in your path. But prayer also prepares their hearts. We read in in, uh, 1 Timothy, Paul told uh, Timothy that, hey, this is how the church should be living their lives. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. What is he praying? He says, pray this way for the kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message that God gave to the world at just the right time. You hear that? God desires that all people would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He says, pray for one another, that we live peaceful lives, we would live lives of integrity. But then he said, pray for people that their hearts would begin to soften and begin to open. You know what's powerful about prayer? Is that God is already at work in a person's life before you even step into their world 
and begin to have spiritual discussions about the things of God and how God could be a part of their lives. Pray that, that their minds would be uh, opened, that, that, that Satan would not have the ability to take away the seed as we read about in Matthew chapter 13, uh, as the seed of God's word goes out on the soil and, the, and it says the birds of the air came and devoured it, what Jesus identified as Satan himself. Ask God to soften their hearts and to, to be open to their need for Jesus, that God would send workers in their life. Here's a show of hands. For those of you that have come to Jesus at some point in your adult life, how many of you guys came to the Lord because God put a person in your life that began to share Jesus with you, began to love on you, began to... Lift your hand up. Look around this room right now. Think about that. That, that. That's how God brings people into his kingdom, is that he uses people who say, Lord, Lord of the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, right? It's so massive. We think about the needs. We, when we talk about the ministry in, in Kenya with the Monicare, and we talk about you know, the amount of needs that are there, it's mind-blowing to think, man, there are millions of people who are without health care. We can't give everybody health care there, but we could start with one family. We could start with 50, as Imani Care is starting with 200 this year. We can't see, you know, share the gospel with every single person in this world or that's even in our lives, but we could start with one. You could begin to pray about one person that God would want you to reach. God wants to use you. God wants to use us. God wants to use our church. He wants us to be a part of people's spiritual journey on their way to knowing Jesus in a personal and intimate way. But it begins in prayer. God, give us eyes to see. God, give us hearts that care. Practically, when we've been doing this series, my hope is that you would find more joy from walking with God, that you would find more consistency in your own set-aside time to pray with, to, to the Lord, that you would find more joy asking the Lord in every moment of your day, Lord, bless me as I go to the gym, bless me as I'm having this conversation at work, God, uh, bless me as I'm heading to school, whatever your day consists of. As I shared that, that acronym that I write in the back of my Bible, A-C-T-S, that kind of keeps my uh, brain from going, you know, and dear Lord, hey, look, a squirrel. It just like kind of keeps me focused. You're like, we pray for you every Sunday morning in the same way. A stands for, I was about to do the YMCA, wasn't I? <laughs> just write A, adoration. Tell God something you want to praise him for. C, confess to God an area of struggle in your life. T, thanksgiving. And then the S is supplication. You know what I like to do? When I'm praying for the needs that I have, my family, my children, my friends, my congregation, I write the letters P-E, right? And it stands for personal evangelism. And, and when that's blank in my life, it means that I'm living sort of an out-of-balance life. There's nobody I'm praying for. There's nobody I'm wanting to see come to know Jesus. Can I ask you right now, who's your one for 2020? Who's the one person that you are saying, this year, Lord, I would love to see that person come to know you in an intimate way. I want to see them saved. I want to see them set free from the things that have captured their lives. Do you have a one? I think it's something we should talk about on a regular here at RBC. Hey, how is praying for your one? How close are they getting? You might find that as you start praying for your one, their lives just blow up, and this just starts falling apart. I'm not opposed to, Lord, make their lives miserable until they see their need for you. You pray for that one, and you ask God to give you opportunity, and you pray that the Lord would send people their way as well, 
and begin to plant seeds and begin to water that seed. And it's amazing when you begin to focus your time in prayer like that, you will see that God is actually using your life, using our time in prayer to be about the mission that he's called us all to live and to, and to be a part of in this world. You pray for that one. You ask the Lord to, to open their hearts. Jesus calls us to pray earnestly to the Lord in charge of the harvest. I read, this is a prayer we must pray, but we can only pray it honestly if we pray with an ear open to hearing him tell us, you go into the harvest. My prayer and my hope for RVC is that we'll be a church filled with praying workers in the harvest field, and we'll see many, many people's lives being touched and changed and impacted for the better, brokenness healed, lives restored, relationships reconciled, and souls one to the kingdom of God. That's my hope and my prayer. Who is your one? Begin to pray for them. Ask the Lord to touch their heart. And we think about, as I wrap up this morning, and my team's here, we're going we're gonna to close in a song of worship. You know, every Sunday we have an opportunity for people to receive prayer. If you need prayer this morning, maybe you'd like to go and pray with somebody about your one. Maybe it's a kid of yours. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's your spouse. It might be your parent. Man, you might have another need. There's prayer available every single Sunday during our last song, but also um, after the service is over. But we always close out with our, our service time with an opportunity for, for maybe, maybe you're the one that's here this morning. Maybe someone's been praying for you to soften your heart to the things of God. Here's what I know. God loves you. I know that God has a plan for your life, but it begins with you surrendering your heart to him. It begins with you recognizing that you have a need for God. See, all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of God's glory. There's no one who's perfect. There's no one who could ever earn salvation. That's off the table. Your options are be perfect or have a substitute who stood in your place. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. When he hung on the cross 2,000 years ago, he absorbed all of God's wrath for sin. The sin that your sin deserved, my sin deserved, the sins of the entire world. Every sin that's ever been committed or will be committed, Jesus personally paid for that sin so that he might exchange his perfection in your sort of uh, life. So that when God looks upon a person who's accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, he looks upon them with the perfection of his own dear son, Jesus. But you've got to acknowledge that you have been a part of that crew of sinners who have broken his laws. And you have to acknowledge that he went to the cross he rose from the dead, and you have to be willing to accept him into your life and into your heart. There's a verse in the Bible that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he says, I will come in and I will dine with them, and they with me. It's this beautiful picture of relationship happening. But you've got to open the door of your life. Every Sunday we give people a chance to do that, and today might be your moment for you to surrender your heart. And have your sins forgiven. Begin a relationship with him today. Would you all pray with you now? Father, thank you, Lord, for your love and your goodness, God. And thank you for this congregation that has sat very patiently hearing so much about what's going on and what we want to see happen. But Lord, most importantly, God, as we open your word together and we see Jesus, the compassion that you have for people. Will you forgive us, Lord, for walking by people, broken people, simply because they bug us, simply because they were not wired the same, or they have a life or a lifestyle that just feels, um, Lord, that causes some distance. I pray that, Lord, you would break our hearts with the things that break yours. I pray that the, the, the people in this community that you are calling us to reach, Lord, that you would begin to burden our hearts for them.
Lord, each one of us, we have a one. We might, we should have a one, at least one that we love to see come to know you, to be set free.